you won't be alone. Uh, my assigned text is Hebrews 11. There are 40 verses, some incredibly rich material. And the problem when you've got so much is what do you settle on? And the real risk is I haven't settled on it well enough to land this plane. So when the alarm goes off, we're going to quit whether I'm there or not. And you can decide, uh, John, you really should have spent more time with that passage. Uh, Paul Henderson was with the elders of the shepherds uh, Tuesday night, and uh, he, he said, what I'm here for this time is just to say thank you. He said it had been 20 years that Stones River had been supporting their work in Budapest, and I didn't realize that many years had passed. Uh, he, he's been in Hungary for 33 years and his thanksgiving for the partnership, the support of their family, uh, especially through some very difficult times that uh, Kati in particular experienced after Caitlin's birth. Uh, Their faith was tested through the fires. And a lot of it came from perceptions of what God's like, what he will and won't do to people who love him. In our conversation, Paul shared a quote from David Cook, David C. Cook. I won't get it exactly right, but he said, most of us today think of God as the God of the past to the present. But biblically, it's more accurate to think of God of the present to the future. God's interaction with humanity is always forward-looking. He's initiating this kingdom mindset in our world that runs so counter to our cultures, that we lose sight of it. And in Hebrews chapter 11, one of the risks I think we fall prey to often is we we make this about the past. Some have called Hebrews 11 the Hall of Fame of Faith. Uh, Examples of people of faith. Some have called this list the heroes of faith. And you might compare it to the baseball hall of fame or football hall of fame. And the problem with those perspectives, if they go too far, is the main character is left out. God himself. And we're at risk of missing the punchline at the end of the chapter that sets up for what chapter 12 opens with. 
And John, I was really tempted to go on in there, and I'm going to do my best to try to refrain myself, but I want you to know that I believe Hebrews chapter 11 is incomplete. Our understanding of it is incomplete without going on into chapter 12. But I trust that he'll take you there next week. No, no, no. I've got more verses than you do, so I'm, I'm going to refrain as hard as it is. Let's read Hebrews 11. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith, our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain's. Through this, he received approval as righteous, God himself giving approval to his gifts. He died, but through his faith, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken so that he did not experience death, and he was not found because God had taken him. For it was attested before he was taken away that he had pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warning and built an ark to save his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in the land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born. As many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore, all of these died in faith without having received the promises. But from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth, for people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. 
Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, It is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. He considered the fact that God is able to even raise someone from the dead, And figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings for the future on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave instructions about his burial. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse, suffered for the Christ, to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who is, in, who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel." By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? Time would fail me, to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received their dead, by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all of these, though they were commended for their faith, did not, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not 
apart from us, be made perfect. What a shocking statement. If you think about great people of faith, there's some in this chapter that would come to the top of your mind if you are familiar with the biblical story, the, the narrative of God at work in our world. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Moses, Noah, Rahab. Well, maybe she wouldn't be one of the ones we would pick. And yet, with very little information, she had a discernment about this God of Israel that prompted her to risk her life for the sake of the spies. And she was willing to accept the response she was given. Gather your family in your house, tie this cord, and when we get there, you'll live. All of these, though, didn't get the fullness without us. Without what God's still doing. Last week, Greg took us into chapter 10 to think about people who are on the verge of giving up on their faith, who are, who are struggling with unanswered prayers, who are struggling with abuse, who are struggling with, with ill treatment from others, who are struggling with the neglect, who, who are just being allowed to drift on their own. And there's that reminder, you know, we're, we're together to encourage one another, to build one another up to love and good deeds. We're, we're to connect with each other, we're to have those conversations, easy and joyful and challenging and difficult, for the sake of being able to speak encouragement toward love and good deeds into each other's lives. Because God's doing something that's bigger than what we can see here or anywhere else. And it even has some connection to those incredible examples of faith. Right before that shocking statement, uh, there's a, a transition. Uh, the first, I don't know, four-fifths anyway of these examples all sound like overcoming ones. The, the, the big hitters, you know, the, the kind of people that you would want, you know, on your imaginary bench, if you need to pinch hit somebody, you know, they're, they're the kinds of ones that you would want. And some preachers, unfortunately, in our world have developed what often is called a health and wealth gospel that highlights extensively and exclusively 
those heavy hitters and says, if you really want to follow Jesus, you've got to be that kind of person. And one of the ways you can help make yourself that is by giving to my ministry. But that's another thing. Their health and wealth comes from you, but that's a bit cynical on my part, maybe. There was a, radio, a Christian radio station that had some one of these individuals, and, and then they called for comments and questions. And one of my coworkers with Final Command had just heard too much, and, and so he called in. All their examples were the heavy hitters, the, the, the overcomers. He said, what would you think about a group of people described like this? They were tortured, refusing to accept release. They suffered mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of animals, destitute, persecuted, and tormented. If your Hall of Fame of Faith only has the ones that the world would look at and say they overcame and they experienced so much wealth from God, you've missed an important part of Hebrews 11. In the biblical Hall of Fame of Faith, there are both those who get through here and experience something of what the world might call victory, and those who don't. But God, the one who makes the promises, God, the one who's building a city, God, who's accomplishing the development of the kingdom on earth, the renovated earth, the, the transformation that's coming, has promised people of faith following Jesus are necessary to complete his divine vision. Jesus isn't mentioned in chapter 11 by name. John gets to preach on that next week. And I hate we'll be in Tallahassee celebrating our granddaughter's birthday. I, I don't hate that we'll be celebrating our birthday, but it won't be there but I'm thankful that the podcast has recordings of these. You know, there are sometimes I'm thankful through the years we didn't have those recordings. Uh, I'm not sure all of my sermons, or I am quite sure not all of my sermons are, were worthy of perpetuity. Uh, but I look forward to hearing one analogy and I'm going to skirt on it, that I've heard that really resonates for me is, I won't ask for a show of hands, but have you ever caught a glimpse of the Olympic marathon 
competition, and they 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 start out of the Olympic Stadium and they go run for you know, hours, even the best. Twenty six point two miles, if memory serves me correct. But the finish line is back in the stadium, and these other track and field events are going on there. But then they they start to come in those early speedsters, and the crowd rises to its feet, and they're cheering them on to victory, and and then for others cheering them on to completion. Uh, several years ago, Deborah came home from work. She was working in an office here in Murfreesboro and some of the ladies had said they were going to run the half marathon the middle half and so she being the get it done person started talking about it and, and signing up and I said well she said I'm concerned none of the rest of them will do it I told them I would and so I, I really want to and I said well I'll train with you even if none of them do we, we'll run it and we did 13.1 miles. Uh, wow. Uh, one time. One time. Uh, we, we never got to the runner's high. We had a lot of runner's low. Uh, especially our next to the longest training run. Boy, we, we made some bad decisions that day. Um, but one of the things about that experience was the celebration, the people cheering us on as we got close to the finish line. And we held hands and we crossed the finish line together. Um, imagine the people in Hebrews 11 cheering you on in your roughest days of faith. but there's somebody else that's even better than that waiting for you. Hebrews 11 isn't about the past as much as it's about the future. What God is doing in your life and through you in our world for the future One minute, 37 seconds. I'm going to pray. Praise team, you want to come on up? Father God, we confess that at times in our lives we, we don't feel at all worthy to be included in this list. We're thankful that your word is transparent enough that we know that even the greatest of these had their flaws, their foibles, their shortcomings. Their greatness was not in themselves, it was in their trusting you to be a God who keeps his promises. And Lord, I confess that I don't fully understand 
how you could say that Their perfection, their completion is contingent on us, on me. But I pray that each of us will be infected by a vision of you doing more than we could ask or imagine. that we will have no doubt that you exist and that you reward those who diligently seek you. Bolster our faith, Father. And prompt us to encourage one another to speak life and future and hope and dreams, your hope and your dreams, your vision. Jesus, as we follow close after you, help your kingdom language to pervade our thoughts and speech so that we will readily and joyfully pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.